This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers Experience with myself, Adam Strong. And today we have another fantastic show lined up for you guys. Um, I have a lady who uh, we met actually through uh, a, a podcast agency. But you know what? I w- When someone applies to my show, I really like to get to know them on a, on a, on a human level. And we got su- we got on such uh, had such great energy, such great chemistry that, you know, we're, we're building up a really great relationship. and We have great similarities. Her name is Beata Shalette. And she is the growth architect and provides visionaries with clear steps to improve their business systems, to maximize profits and create impact. She's a first generation uh, immigrant and she started off with $135,000 in debt. And as a single parent, bootstrapped her passion for photography and, and turned it into a global business for them to be sold to the amazing Bill Gates for millions of dollars. Um, She's also the host of the Business Growth Architect Show. She's a top global thought leader and one of the top 50 must-follow entrepreneurs, according to the Huffington Post. Now, some of the things that we're going to be covering, similarities between me and Beata is that we'll be talking a little bit about business strategy. And this is something that we're both extremely passionate about. We're going to talk about frameworks. We're talking a little bit about... um, growth versus strategy, because I think there's some really differentiations that you guys need to know about. We're also talking a little bit about the differentiations between the understanding of mindset versus execution, because I think that's extremely important in this day and age. So without further ado, Bieta, welcome to the show. I've been waiting for this, Adam. I have been waiting for this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's interesting because, I mean, you've got a really compelling story and, you know, it's interesting because you don't hear so many of the kind of, what do you call it, the the, what I call the life transformations, you know, like you, you get so many people that either stay the way they are having so much debt, right, and they get drowned and then they just kind of like, you know, whether they just hide under a rock and just not take personal responsibility, I don't know. But I'd love to know more about that because obviously you're from Germany originally, is that correct? Yes, but it you, is. But you now live in the US, which is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit envious about that because I've got a few favorite places of mine in the US. Um, <laughs> but interestingly enough, when you started and, and, and you and you moved to emigrate to, to the United States, you, you had a huge amount of debt with 135 grand. I mean, that's not short change, is it? I mean, what did you do with 135 grand? Did that not like paralyze you? I mean, come on, let, give me the backstory to this. Yes. So, so yes, I'm, so I'm originally from Germany and I think that that disciplined work ethic is certainly something that helped me 
you know, the German engineering, what we commonly assume Germans are all about. I'm sure that, you know, were you to dig deep or not even so dig deep at all, it's pretty bloody obvious, you know, this is what I am. <laughs> but what I did want, I wanted more adventure. And I always had felt, um, and, you know, I'm sure your listeners can relate to this. Sometimes you feel you're at the wrong place and there's something else out there that you need to go and you need to go find it. And so I went on this adventure and I really went for the year abroad, Adam. It just never ended. Then um, And then I made a series of what I call really excellent mistakes that led me to be $135,000 in debt. And it wasn't just, you know, mistakes, but it was also real uh, disastrous. So we, we're talking big stuff. We're talking riots, fires floods, earthquake, a tsunami. We're talking September 11th that took out half of my business in 24 hours. Wow. We're talking about a lawsuit from a former employee that had a great idea for a business, which was my business without me. And so these are things that partially were my responsibility because I, you know, as a business owner, I should have protected my business better. I should have done other things. And some of them were not my fault. I mean, who is to be blamed for September 11th? And so suddenly I find myself $135,000 in debt. I am a single mom. I'm an immigrant. I am living by myself, going through a horrible divorce in Los Angeles. I go to Germany. My father has a stroke. Um, he, it wasn't a stroke. It was pancreatic cancer that had metastasized into the brain. And he dies six weeks later. Now, my worst case scenario of all worst case scenarios is happening. And as we're standing at this grave, I get a phone call from my office in Los Angeles. We've just been served a notice. So on top of all of this, now I'm also going to be losing the house that I didn't own. But, you know, the new landlord, that's a whole other story. Got it. So I'm standing there in this in this pivotal moment and go like, WTF, what am I going to do now? <laughs> you know, that's interesting. You know, I mean, if as, as I say, this is, is a bit kind of like if the shit hits the fan, you know, if one thing doesn't go wrong, two things go wrong. And then it all comes crashing down like a like a pile of dominoes. Do you know what I mean? It's like, but how much do you how much do you can you kind of like cope? Like, what is the coping? I, I mean, I know you know, being German, of course, and, and being British myself, you know, us Europeans, we share this kind of, um, I suppose, sense of resilience, if that's what you want to call it. Do you, do you know what I mean? Um, and I think that you've really kind of like, well, you, 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 you've you kind of shared that, you know, resilience is is the, uh, and mental toughness is is the name of the game, I suppose, in, in but what, I mean, what was the kind of big shift for you in terms of like, okay, so all of these things is, you know, or, or happening to me, what's going through your mind? And then how do you kind of get out of that? So there's two things. So the first thing is I will not drown in a puddle. Mm. Puddle is not big enough to drown. Mm. So if I drown, it needs to be worth it. So it's not worth drowning in $10,000. It's not worth drowning in 30, 135,000. You know, now we're talking, now we're getting somewhere where at least you can say, I mean, today I wouldn't say $135,000 is worth it, but back then it would have been. Right. And the second thing is that it really forces you, Adam, to surrender. 
because I had to take a really good hard look and say, have I done what I can possibly do? And did I do all these things? And did I, did I, did I turn every stone? And the story as the craziness, craziness of the story unfolds was the craziest thing I did is I, I wrote a letter to the president of the United States. True story. In my absolute desperation, because my former mother-in-law just would not be quiet about it. She says, he's your president. If anybody can help you, it's the president of the United States. Why don't you write the president of the United States? And on and on and on. And finally, I said, fine, I'm going to write the damn letter. So do not have to talk about it anymore. And so when I got back, you know, after this pivotal moment where I had my breakdown at the grave, I mean, I literally fell on my knees after we buried my dad, just as I got this phone call and I yelled at God with a raised fist. And I said, I mean, seriously, dude, what's happening here? What else can you possibly throw? I mean, my worst case scenario just happened. And then you surrender and you say, that's it. You know, I can't do anything else. And I went back uh, to the United States and I, you know, had to figure out what am I going to do? And I get a letter from the White House. And then the story turns on wow. a dime. Wow. That's interesting. So, 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 okay. So I'm now, now you've created curiosity and I'm interested to know what you've actually said to the president, right? And what did he write back? Because I'm sure that he probably gets at least a million letters a day. Um, so something must have been in that letter for him to respond. Yeah, I, I was hoping you were going to uh, get, get hooked on that cliffhanger I left you with there, Adam. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's marketing after all. Tell me more, right? right. So uh, the letter really wasn't all that awesome. The letter just says, look, you know, I, I've done everything I've, I've, I'm supposed to do. And I don't know what else to do. And the letter, of course, the president of the United States never saw this letter, but some underling that was some intern, you know, answering <laughs> letters in the mail room probably did. And they have like these lists of what they're supposed to do. And so I said, well, I need money. And when they read that, they go, money. That's what we have the Small Business Administration in the United States known as the SBA for. Hmm. So they sent my letter to the SBA, not to the underling, but to the deputy chief director. Cool. So they got a letter from the White House saying, here's a woman in Los Angeles that needs your help. So I got to go in the top level of this uh, government organization that is helping small business owners to get funding and to build their businesses. So I wasn't going the regular route, which is like level, you know, uh, whatever the senior, you know, manager right. to the loan administrator, you know, whatever that was, I went right to the top. Sure. And I did write the business plan. So I was fully prepared. And I really want to make sure that this, this point is, is, is driven home because you and I, we believe so much in strategy and, and being, being prepared. You've got to be ready. I was ready when that letter came and 
the SBA then followed that letter from the White House with a phone call and says, uh, the deputy chief director is ready to see you. I mean, I walked in with a business plan, with my samples, my case studies, uh, fully prepared to, you know, to take on this big battle of, you know, I got to make this work. Mm. Now, you're um, now, now back then, you, you, I mean, you had a you had a passion for photography, right? You've got a passion for photography. And so you've turned that passion into an actual business. And it's so interesting because, you know, there are... <clears throat> There are so many people out there which are doing jobs that are in businesses which they absolutely detest and hate and do it for the wrong reasons. It's interesting. I met a chap about three weeks ago in London. And, you know, I went to one of these networking meetings and I haven't been to one in absolutely ages and I just needed to get around people, right? And so I met this chap, Beata, and it's interesting. So this guy was a, it was a consultant. It was an IT consultant. Um, running a small business, small amount of employees, et cetera. And he said to me, I said, so tell me, do you love what you do? Are you passionate about what you did? And he says, no, I hate it. I detest it. I was like, I said, oh, well, that's a great start to our conversation, isn't it? I said, you're selling your business. I mean, you know, we're only a business networking meeting. So he goes, he goes, no, I do what I do because I have responsibilities and I have a mortgage to pay. And I just, and I just, I was like, you know what I said to him? I was like, I'm calling you BS. Seriously, I'm calling you BS. And, and, you know, because everyone has a choice. Everyone has a choice. Um, but tell us some more about your, where did, I mean, did your passion for photography come when you were younger? Like what was this, you know, what, what, what was kind of the, what did you see about photography that you could turn into a business because I'm sure that there are very interested listeners that are thinking to themselves, hmm, interesting photography, or they may have a passion for weight loss or whatever it might be, but talk a little bit through more about that. So there's a couple of things. So what you just said, I would like to just spend a second and add to that. I've always been absolutely amazed how somebody would tell me with a serious face, that they think they're going to be better at something that they detest versus something that they love to do and that they are somehow doomed to make their living with something that is just absolutely a soul grabbing soul wrenching and uh, uh, will kill you one day at a time. I mean, that just doesn't even make any sense to me. Why, why anybody would even want to do that, think that go there, uh, absolutely, absolutely beside me. Uh, you know, just in case this is a question for anybody listening, the chances you're going to make more money with something you actually love doing generally should be way higher than working in something that you absolutely hate. I mean, there's just, you, I mean, and, and if it's not so, therapy should be, should, be, should be an option because this just doesn't make any sense to me. Nope. So photography, the love for photography came from, um, a very simple, uh, well, I've always liked photography, but when I went uh, to school in Germany and, you know, Germans take everything extremely seriously. <laughs> so we, we did an aptitude test and it went on and on and on 16 pages long. Do you like being outside? Yes, I do. Do you mind carrying heavy weights? No, I don't. <laughs> Are you afraid of heights? Absolutely not. And on and on and on. And after 12, after 16 pages, 
the results were, Beate, you should be a roofer. <laughs> That's completely random, by the way. And I go, I don't think these kind of aptitude tests seem to be aligned with my my inner self or my idea of profession so i said so she says well well you know i can see why you wouldn't want to be a roofer but so let's talk about this um what do you want to be and i said well how about a textile designer and she says oh way too many applicants no jobs i said what about a jewelry designer and she says way too many applicants not enough jobs i said well how about a photographer way too many applicants not enough jobs and i'm like this sucks and she says why don't you become a secretary i said no thank you and then i became a photographer anyway okay fair enough well that's interesting and now okay so all right, so let's just talk this through, okay? So you've started up your photography business with great intentions. You walk into the attorney's office uh, and, and you, you basically, with your business plan, you're armed with your business plan. So you've got your strategy, you've got everything, you've got all your tools and resources in your pockets and your briefcase or whatever it is that you go into the office with. So, the, so they, I'm assuming they give you the funding that you needed, I'm assuming, and what was the next steps from that? Like you've got your photography business. What was it that they, that you think they saw in you that, that allowed you to get access to, you know, to be able to get started? So there were a couple of things. So number one, I, you know, obviously had done the work. So I've written the business plan. Right. Uh, the quality of the work was exquisite. I knew what I was doing. I was a photo editor at Elle magazine before I was a photographer representative. I was a producer. By the time I arrived at this uh, stock syndication idea, which is the company that I ultimately built and sold, you know, everybody knew that I knew what I was doing. And the um, government or banks are not afraid of debt and neither should be business owners, but we are raised to be afraid of debt because we feel that if we carry debt, it's a failure. But you have to recognize that others don't look at it like that. Actually, they look at it like almost like it's smart that you have debt because then you're paying less taxes and you can invest the money back into other things so you can grow the business faster. So I think that there was one part about where they saw that I, I, I understood the business. I knew the plan. I had the credibility. I was in business long enough until all these other things happened, you know, along with the recession that we had been in, that they understood that this was, this was just a question of time when I was going to get there, I just needed the cash to get me there. And so the, the, the money that I got was to restructure my debt into a 10 year fixed loan okay. because I had, uh, this was all credit card debt that I've, you know, where it's like, do you need an extra $5,000? Yes, I did. So I borrowed money to pay interest of borrowed money called also the death spiral in any business because eventually you, you it's not going to work anymore. Sure. So they took all these different uh, loans and lines and whatever it was and consolidated it into one fixed payment. That in turn freed up my line of credit. And that is what, what the key was because that gave me the operating cash that I needed 
to get to break even. And I was only three months away, Adam, from break even. That's how close I was. But that's how close it was between bankruptcy and break even was three months. Wow. And then 18 months later, we were the world leader in our category. Wow, that's fantastic. And so interestingly enough, you sold, then obviously you, how, how long did it take for you to sell your business? Because obviously Bill Gates bought your business, right? That's what you say, you, Bill Gates bought your business. How did he discover you? What did he buy? Did he buy the business? Did he buy the IP? What's, and how, how did he discover you? What was that initial conversation looking like? <laughs> yes, so I, I was very clear that I was very, uh, very much focused on a particular niche in the, in the, in the industry. So it was all about ar architecture, interior, and everything around living. Got it. And so we, we had decided that we were going to, in addition to what we uh, what we did with the regular uh, images. So for example, if you go to a bank, any bank today, and you pick up the brochure, there's like a, a, you know, there's like an image of a house and it says, do you need to refinance your home? That would be an image that we provided. Or you go to a, um, you know, your local real estate uh, company, and they show all these homes, those would be homes that images of homes we would provide. Or you go to your uh, home improvement store and you look at the paint brochures of the, with the red roof and the blue door and the red door. Those were all the images we provided. What we did not know at the time or what didn't I realize is that because I went after the A-listers and this is sort of a really critical part I wanna, wanna make sure that we, we talk about Adam is if you do the work please don't go after C or B, go straight after A. A is, a is exponentially easier to sell. A is, is professional. It's C that's always the problem because they still have to turn every dime around. You got to go straight to A. It's, it's, it's the same amount of effort, but it's a much larger return. So I went after the A-listers. What I hadn't thought about is that the A-listers so an A-list architect, an A-list interior designer works with an A-list photographer, my client. So suddenly these A-listers who work with A-list celebrities and A-list people in the world, Seal, you know, uh, Heidi Klum, Julian Moore, Francis Ford Coppola, Madonna, Simon Baker, Terry Hatcher at the time. And so they were photographing for the A-list magazines, A-listers in their homes. And so suddenly I got all of these stories out of embargo. And because I was a photo editor at Elle magazine at some point before, I knew exactly how to sell it. So Bill Gates had bought through this company that he privately owned a different stock photography syndication called Outline, which was the top agency for anything celebrity. And they wanted, they were looking to grow that and they couldn't. And so when I got on the market with these at-home stories, they thought if we have the at-home stories and the celebrity portraiture, it's a natural, it's a natural upsell. And I was the only one who did that at that level. And so they said, can we just buy that? And I said, no, of course not. 
what I mean, you know, you, 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 this is, this is, it's, it's like all or nothing. And so that's how this deal came about is then they looked at it and they say, well, you know, the other stuff's pretty good. You know, we have other, other syndication stuff so we can roll the other things over here. It's not going to hurt us. We really want this because that, that was premium content. So that's how I got to, to get um, a very, very high valuation on gross on content I didn't own. Interesting. Very good. I like that. So it's a, it's a, you know, there's a couple of good points that I picked up from that, which is going off to the A-listers. I like that going up. And it's interesting because I use the analogy and you probably use the same analogy as, is that it's the, it's the bottom that's crowded. It's the people at the top that they're looking for. Right. But if you go straight to Robert, cause you know, people at the bottom, they're always, trying to haggle on price or some other something there's not only price that they're normally haggling on go straight to the top and you're good at what you do and clearly you are good at what you do hey it's a just just do it right i love it yeah yeah and 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 really to add to that is that you know i i really noticed um i just did a program where it was an incredibly expensive program and when you do something like that, you have to ask yourself, if I cannot spend $25,000 on someone's program, who am I asking someone to spend $25,000 on my program? Because if I can pay it, can I, can I realistically expect other people to pay it? If I ask for a discount and a bargain, would I then not expect that other people are asking me for a discount and a bargain? So that's really a piece of the mindset that, you know, that's something that it really drove, um, that, that this particular group drove home with me to say, if that's where you want to set yourself up at, at that level, you better, you better show up at that level yourself. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I love that. Some good stuff that is. Um, Interestingly enough, because I, I want to go into, because um, I love talking about this part, but let's talk a little bit about business strategy, because I think that that is something that we share, both share a, a huge passion for. And we haven't really talked much about business strategy, but I'd love to, I'd love to kind of get your spin on what you feel is the key ingredients to a good business strategy. Because, and I feel, I don't know about you, but I feel like this is where a lot of people get it wrong. You know, they, they, they don't actually know what the key ingredients are, what, you know, where is it that they, what is it that they need, they, they need to do in terms of building the structure of the strategy? But from your perspective, what do you think are the key ingredients in building a good strategy is? Uh, well, first of all, it's the, the simplest and the most difficult thing for all of us. It's like, well, where do you want to go? Mm -hmm. What's the, what, what is the outcome you want to achieve? And I bet that when you ask that question, like I asked that question, the answer most, most often is crickets uh, and the, <laughs> or the answer is, or the answer is really super vague. It's like, well, I want more freedom. Well, what's that mean? Or the answer is I want to make more money. Well, what's that mean? Or the answer is I want to spend more time with my family. And then we go like, what does that mean? <laughs> or the answer is I want to have better, higher paying client. And we go like, well, what does that mean? So I think that the, the idea, you know, to get to a strategy or why so many people have difficulties with strategy or why they say the strategy doesn't work because they don't know where that strategy is supposed to lead them. Mm -hmm. So when I go to London yep. and I go in this insane tube system, your people built, <laughs> where, you go, where, 
Well, I feel like I'm going to the center of the earth, right? I mean, not just am I going down, I'm going down, 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 down. I'm going down so deep down that I'm thinking Hades must show up anytime soon. That... Uh, so but, funny. But, but I digress. And so when I want to go anywhere in London, the first question I have to ask myself is, where the heck do I want to go? And only if I know if I want to go to Piccadilly or if I want to see the Queen or if I want to go to Harrods or wherever that might be, only then can I map out my path, my strategy to get there. And then I may have different options. I may be able to take the bus if I'm really not that comfortable going that far down. Right. Or I may take a, 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 a taxi or I may actually go in the tube. And so business strategy is the exact same way, is the first step is really to say, in broad strokes, where do you want to go? Are do you do you want to do a one-to-many? Do you want to do a one-to-one? Let's just start with the simple stuff. Who do you want to serve? Who are people you are identifying with? What do these people even need? And then are you offering something these people need? And so you and I, you know, we go in as strategists and we help our clients to figure out by the system that we build in this framework and the blueprint of our, our system to figure out, oh, that's who I should be selling to because what I know how to do will help this particular person. And then we can start building the strategy based on that. But to answer your question, it always starts with the same idea is what you're doing it for. What do you want to get out of it? Because when you know that we can reverse engineer anything. Yeah. And I agree with you on that. I think that's a good, that's a, that's a good point, actually. And, and, you know, it's going back to basic core foundations more than anything else. You know, and I, I don't know about you, but whenever you have a conversation with somebody, small business owner in particular, and it's interesting, you'll get these vague answers that you kind of highlighted. And interestingly enough, there's just this sheer lack of clarity. It's like, what the hell are you talking about, woman or man or whatever it is that, whoever it is that you're talking about, right? And I don't know about you, but normally I find, I don't know about you, but I use the analogy of clarity as currency. Have you ever heard of that? Like if you've got great clarity, you've got currency. I'm not talking about money, but I'm talking about knowledge. I'm talking about, you know, you're talking about everything. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Love to, it's, it's a good point there. What, from your perspective, um, what was going to say to you, in terms of like, before we build a strategy, and I use the and I use this analogy of because I used to be an elite athlete that you that that you'll know of. I used to be an elite athlete, and so I used to study and train with the the Olympians. And so my coach would give me a strategy, right? But he knew damn well, he knew damn well that that strategy was nowhere going to work unless I had this up here, right? My mindset, my my mindset conditioned. From your perspective, like. You know, in t if we if, if we talk about mindset more specifically, what do you um, when people come to you, especially maybe it might be a first uh, conversation or whatever it is, and they ask for a strategy or whatever, but you know deep down that they actually it's their mindset they need addressing or conditioning mm -hmm. they need. What are some of the things that you kind of give advice to 
You know, what, what is it, where is it that you start from a mindset perspective? What's your thoughts on that? So I have found that, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll sort of start this with a quote. Um, so there, in, in Star Wars, there is Princess Leia when she talks to Han Solo and she says, if money is all you want, money shall be all you get. And I find this really at the crux or at the center of, of this answer is that I go deep in my work. Because I believe that if we truly connect our passion with our purpose, and we can have people go out and talk about this from, from the level of the heart of the conviction that they show up with and say, oh, this is just unbelievable what this will do. Our success rates are so much higher versus me going and with a pen in the paper in my Excel spreadsheet saying, I got to get to 100, got to get to 250, got to get to five, got to get to 750, got to get to a million, got to get to multiple seven figures. The energy or the vibration is different. I believe that monetary rewards are a result of a, a purpose well lived. So if I, if I, if somebody comes in, you know, and I was just coaching a, a group for the entrepreneurs organization, uh, an accelerator group for a year. That's like my, my, my pro bono work. And, you know, and, and they train them to just go like, you got to get to the million, you got to get to the million, you got to get to the million. And so they come in and they're like, so used to, you know, the million, the million. And, and then I ask, what are you doing it for? Mm. And they can't answer that. And I said, well, we, we don't need to go anywhere unless you can answer, what are you doing it for? Because if you're not helping anybody, or if you're not here with that, with that gratitude or that purpose-driven mindset, I can tell you that your limitation is always gonna be, you're gonna be chasing the money, but you're never going to be actually feeling that sense of fulfillment. So having watched what you do, Adam, I, I dare to say that you get incredible satisfaction out of what you do because you have been able to combine strategy systems with your incredible desire to help other people. And as such, you make money. That is the essence of success to me. Now, the opposite of success is if you make money, 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 and then you find out money doesn't make you, might make you happy because you're still the same miserable person that you were when you were broke. <laughs> <laughs> so, so as you grow, you need to grow as a person and you need to grow into that, that uh, mindset of possibility. And when I see, you know, there's so many, there's so many aspects of this. Sometimes I see really wealthy people and then they're penny pinchers mm -hmm. and they go like, well, can you give me like a discount of like $500? And I'm going like, dude, do you have any idea how this is hurting your income potential? Just asking me for something so trivial, like a $500 discount that you can, you know, it, 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 it's like, do you not even feel silly or is it just because somebody trained you to ask for bonuses and, and discounts and you think that if you get that, you, you, you somehow win? And what exactly would that be? When reality is the more generous you are, the more can come to you because we're talking about universal spiritual laws that have been in effect for 
forever. As you give, so you receive. As above, so below. You know, uh, gratitude, stepping into these things. And so I start really uh, checking with my clients on where are you with that? Because it's so easy to get caught in the, I had expenses, now I need to make the income to pay for my expenses. And then you get caught in this, in this, you know, literally Excel mindset. And that's a dangerous place to be. So I rather have people we work with think about there's enough. I can always generate more. And uh, this is an investment into that I'm going to multiply and this person is worth it. And like I am finding people who are worth it, people will find me and think I'm worth it. So to really truly understand the spiritual component of business on a much larger, larger scale. And if you really look at very successful people, um, most, and I'm not saying all, there are some people that are driven by money and money's their God. But most people that I know that have money are all on that wavelength, all of them. They all go, it's like, I give, I believe in gratitude. I believe in the spiritual laws. I, I, you know, I use my money to, to help other people. I do pro bono work. And the more I give, the more I receive. So the mindset piece is a shift from the corporate or the, the middle-class thinking, I have to work to prove my value. The more I get paid, the more valuable I am, the less time I have to the switch over to saying, I provide so much value that I couldn't stop the flow even if I tried to. <laughs> I love it. Some very good, you know, it's interesting. I mean, value is so subjective as well. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, I create a lot of content, whether it be on Clubhouse, whether it be on Wisdom, whether it be on LinkedIn for 10 minutes or whatever it might be, okay? Now, for some people that are maybe not in such fortunate circumstances or haven't got, I don't know, they feel like they, 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 they're not... They've got some mindset issues going on. You know, they're comparing themselves or whatever it might be, right? And it goes back to the question. Their question will always be is, great, Adam. You know, this is all great stuff, you know, and and all this vibration. And, you know, because we don't, we, we in fact, we, we don't talk about spiritual, um, you know, energy, the universe. We don't really talk about that that much, right? But this stuff really works. Like, seriously, this stuff really, really works. And you're talking about it. Jack Canfield, my friend, talks a little about it. Dr. D John Martini talks about it. Like, all of these guys, they're all talking about it. So it must be true. Um, and, and, and interestingly enough, one person that I really love following, actually, is Gary Vaynerchuk. And he's really switched his attitude. Um, and he's become quite humble because he's very successful. You know, he's very successful. And it, interestingly enough, and I don't know what your opinion about this is, but I love talking about the importance of patience, you know, and, and not being so balancing speed with patience. Does that make sense? It's kind of like you want it now, right? Like for me, I'm so, I want it tomorrow. Well, that's what I used to think, but then I know, but then I know that 
certain at certain times i've also got to learn to be patient what's your advice about people that want it now like straight away but they know that if they if they effectively execute speed too quickly then it's going to be their falling whereas patience was kind of counteract the balance what's your take on that i think divine uh, to understand the concept of divine timing is probably the hardest lesson we all have to learn i, I mean it, it, it without a question yeah and and i'm i'm like right there with you i have this idea i know what i need to do why is it taking so long and um <laughs> You know, why are they calling me back? Why is the copy not ready? Why has the CRM not been programmed yet? Why are these emails not going out? Why is there a delay of three months? Why are we not, why we haven't, haven't we built the quiz funnel yet? Why haven't we done this yet? Um, to say that I trust that everything comes together in due time and that time, the concept of time is an illusion created by man. And that mm. if we were to believe in divine timing, everything comes at its right time. Mm. If I were to look back at my life and I say, if this person wouldn't have betrayed me, I would not have gone into this lawsuit, would have not fought so hard, would not have learned so many lessons about not letting things get to me because that was a fight for survival compared to that, compared to that, much of the other stuff I've done is kindergarten, <laughs> literally. I mean, and and would I have not had that? Would I have not had this idea? Would I have not had the the guts? Um, you know, my 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 daughter says, uh, you know, a woman, you know, grow, grow yourself some ovaries, right? <laughs> Wouldn't have had the ovaries <laughs> to to so do, to do what I need what to do what I need to do, and. Now, looking back, it all makes sense because every piece now adds to the other piece or why you, you know, in Germany, I was just in Germany and I saw, um, you know, uh, someone who I used to love very much, a, a, an old flame, a, a, a wonderful man who, you know, married someone else, been married for 30 years and you know, and, and you, you go and you look and you say, now I know why that didn't work out for me because of how they developed and the choice I made, you know, of person I'm with now and how much more suited that is for me today. Mm -hmm. And so you, 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 you constantly question that what's happening is the right thing. But when you look back, everything makes sense. So what if we were to take that, Adam, that attitude and say, well, it kind of always works out. Everybody always says that anyway, it always works out. You go like, what does it? Well, if we were to know that it does, then we could be so much more relaxed. Yeah, I agree, 100%. Um, I know we're coming towards the end of our conversation, but I'd love to know more about what your vision is for the next five to 10 years. You know, because I mean, you've sold a business successfully, right? So you've essentially achieve what most people dare to achieve, right? Selling a business successfully. You're obviously doing the thing that, you know, drives and fuels your passion. You know, you wake up with a smile every day. Um, you're quite humble in, in what you do. But where do you see yourself in the next five to 10 years? What does that look like? So I... I feel that I'm really not done yet. So there's a, I've, I've spent, you know, when COVID came, I lost, I think it's the fifth time I've lost 
my, 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 my business. And I, but I'm, I'm not done yet. So I, I, I've been in the rebuilding phase, uh, very, very strategically, of course, and I'm launching a mastermind now for podcasters to help them monetize uh, the podcast and grow their authority, you know, because I, I found that with the podcast explosion, a lot of people are just like on the air all the time, but they have no plan on what to do with that. And so they have these conversations and then what? And I'm like, yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. So I've built this program that we literally are launching uh, in the next month or so uh, to to help them to understand some of the simple principles, keeping it very simple, like one, one piece to grow the authority, one piece to get people on the table, and one piece to really figure out how to monetize it. Um, and, and then just help people to, to really grow authority because I measure my impact by how much impact I help others make. Because the more impact everybody else makes, the more my impact grows. And so I tend to attract people with kind of crazy ideas or <laughs> with unusual businesses. I, I've never had a dry cleaning business or, or, or anything remotely in that, in that sense. But I, I feel that I can help people that have this feeling that they don't fit in because my story is a story of somebody who really didn't fit in very well and then just just created the space for it. And so my my five-year plan really is to launch three particular products. One is to help people to devise strategies for their growth. The second is the podcast authority and the third one is help them build systems that they then can. I have actually a system to build signature systems because I think that a lot of people, very much what we talked about right now, um, they kind of don't, they, they, they feel like they do different things, but it really is part of a larger system, but they can't see the larger system. So I, you know, I already have a program where I do that, but I want to really blow this up in a much larger, larger, larger space, because I believe that over nichesizing is not good. I think that we've gotten so specialized that most people can't see the big picture anymore. And I want to help more people, see, you know, help more people see the big picture. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. And interestingly enough, I mean, there are, I think, from what I remember, and this I, I checked this out a couple of months ago, there was 2.8 million podcasts. I think we talked about this actually offline. 2.8 million podcasts, ladies and gents. And only 10% of those podcasts, in fact, I think it's 9% actually, 9% of those podcasts bring out a weekly show on a regular basis. And that's crazy. So it just, you know, it just offers this like huge, I suppose pearl of opportunity more than anything else because that's exactly what it is it's just a great way to i mean we've been running this podcast for just over two years now which is crazy um 159 episodes right so but there are much more people much more uh, bigger people out there that uh, you know that, but the reality is is i'm not comparing myself i'm not in any rush you you know podcasting is the log the long game as i like to call it but if you can see that ladies and gents and you see the value in podcasting, then, hey, jump on the bandwagon with the Etta. I would highly recommend it. Anyway, listen, I just want to say thanks so much for um, being on the show today. It's been fun, right? 
It's been amazing. Yeah. No, I mean, you and I, we could certainly talk, uh, talk for hours about all kinds of things, but I think we covered some really good points. I'm making sure that we drive point, drive home the idea of just, just get clear what you want and then find somebody who can help you with a strategy and then build the systems to get there. Perfect. Listen, if that isn't like such great information and advice, I just don't know what is, right? Guys, I hope you've enjoyed today's particular episode. Um, I thoroughly have. I've written a ton of notes down. I hope you guys have too. And um, if you guys that are also interested in connecting with the Ada as well, please do me a favor, connect with her either on uh, using some of the links that we have put below. And uh, when you do reach out to her, I do mention the podcast, of course, and she can kind of put two and two together. So listen, from me and Beata, hopefully you've had a fantastic um, uh, day, week, month, whenever you listen to this, and we'll see you again on the next Game Changers experience. Take care, and we'll see you soon. Cheers. Hey guys, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to today's episode on the Game Changers experience. I would be gratefully appreciated if you could leave a good or a bad review. It doesn't matter, one or a five-star review, whichever you prefer, on any of the platforms, whether it be on Apple, whether it be on Spotify, Podchaser, etc. And please leave a testimonial or review about our podcast. And if you have enjoyed our podcast, then I look forward to seeing you on the next Game Changers Experience. Take care, see you soon, etc. And please leave a testimonial or review about our podcast. And if you have enjoyed our podcast, then I look forward to seeing you on the next Game Changers Experience. Take care, see you soon.